and welcome to episode 34 of ONS Saints. I'm your host, Patrick Serdis. With me this afternoon is... We've got three of us, actually. It's, it's, well, four of us. Jack, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? Very well, thank you. We've also got Mainstone. Mainstone, you there? Yes, here, right. How are you? Yes, very well, thank you. And joining us for the second time is Joe. Joe Batchelor, you there? Yeah, hi, guys. Nice to be here. Great. Well, we're going to do something slightly different this week. Obviously, it's international break, so... No football, uh, not much going on. Um, but we had a little bit of a debate uh, earlier this week uh, and we thought we'd, we'd bring it to the podcast. Um, obviously, Saints are flying at the moment. We are fourth after eight games, briefly being top of the table after that win over Newcastle. Um, for the first time in our history, um, being top of the Premier League and for the fir- first time um, top of the top flight since 1988. Things obviously going extremely well. Uh, and it's got people thinking, um, how high can we finish this season? Obviously, um, our best finish in the Premier League was sixth under, under Ronald Koeman. Um, and before that, uh, Maurizio Pochettino, um, eighth in the 2013-14 season. Um, Ralph, Koeman, Poch, there's, there's similarities between those three managers. Probably our best three foreign managers in the club's history. Um, and we wanted to discuss um, the players that played under those managers and, uh, and ultimately build a, a best Saints eleven from from players that played under... Komen, Ralph and Poch. That's the, that's the gist of what we'll be discussing today. Um, Jack, I'll come to you first. How difficult was it for you to build uh, an 11 based around uh, those parameters? It was a lot more difficult than I thought. I forgot the, um, the amount of quality players that we've had to play for us in the last six or seven years. We've been quite blessed, I think. Um, but we've, we've settled on a formation, haven't we? 4-2-3-1, which made it a little bit easier. We've got one striker to choose from. Uh, but yeah, ultimately it was it was a lot more difficult than I thought. I spent a worrying amount of time looking at uh, previous seasons. So I mean, let, let's dive straight into it. Mainstay, I'm going to come to you first. Goalkeeper, you run us through run us through your thoughts, and then ultimately who you picked um, in net for us. Right. So um, <clears throat> I've gone for Fraser Forster mm-hmm. overall. Um, it for me it was a. It was between him and Kelvin Davis. Um, Kelvin Davis for kind of what he brought to the club um, and what he, the service he gave over the number of years. Um, but what ultimately it came down to me was just talent and ability. And as soon as Fraser Forster came in from Celtic, there was that instant step up in, in our goalkeeping quality. Um, so that's why I went for him. Joe, thoughts on, thoughts on keeper? I think you had Forster as well, did you? I did have Fraser Forster. I didn't have too much trouble picking this position, actually. I remember when he came in, I think it was in Kuman's first season. And yeah, he was just incredible. Um, the size, his, his, his shot-stopping ability, I think, is still one of the best, the best I've seen in the Premier League, actually. Obviously, his kind of distribution and his, his footwork and, you know, wasn't always the best, but his actual shot-stopping was incredible. Some of the saves he made was, uh, was remarkable. So yeah, <laughs> had to go for him. And um, it's still such a shame what has happened to him the last few seasons. Um, I think he probably still is the best goalkeeper on the books at Saints when he's playing well, but I think his confidence is just completely shot and I'm not sure he'll ever get it back at Southampton, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I think both of you said it was, well, relatively easy to pick Forster and when I was going through my team, um, he was the kind of clear number one. Um, Even just for the fact that I was going back through some of the stats, um, and that 2014-15 season, we, can, we only conceded 33 goals. It was the season we finished seventh. Um, 
and only champions, Chelsea, conceded less. They conceded 32. And um, we kept, I think it was 14, 15 clean sheets, um, which is just outrageous, really. Um, our defence was really, really strong that season. And obviously, up front, we had, we'll come on to, but we had Mane and, and Peller and, and those guys were scoring the goals. But at the back, Forster was, was rock solid. Um, and yeah, we won so many games 1-0, so many games 2-0. And he was such a big part of keeping those clean sheets. Um, on to the defence. As Jack, Jack, you mentioned 4-2-3-1. So we'll start on the right, right back. Options? Options for me, I was thinking Klein, Cedric and it's early days, but Walker Peters. I was, mm. I've, I've been thinking of him because I think he's got the potential to be Southampton's best right back of recent seasons. But I personally haven't picked him so I think it's too early to say. I think he's played less than 20 games for us. Um, and I chose Nathaniel Klein over Cedric. I think Cedric was a very good player for us, but you know, lacked a little bit going forward and I wasn't really that convinced in his crossing abilities. I think a lot of Southampton fans have that complaint about him. And I think what, what Klein brought to us was um, that bit of dynamism on the right-hand side that we hadn't had before. Um, and yeah, he was, he was brilliant alongside, you know, Fonte was playing there. He had a I think it was Bertrand and Alderweireld was another centre-back at the time. So we had a really solid back four and he formed a great part of that. And also for that screamer against Arsenal, I think, in the League Cup. Yeah. I don't think Cedric scored many of them. So he's got <laughs> well, the nod for me. I put that in there as well. A couple of memorable goals. There was that screamer at the Emirates. There was also, I know we lost to Anfield, but on the first day of the season, I remember that goal. I think, yeah. was it Tadic with the back heel? And that was a memorable very memorable goal. Either of you two, Joe, Jack, um, any complaints with Klein at right back? None for me. No, I'm Not happy with that. Happy with that. Okay, let's let's move on um, to left back, which we, we might get a little bit of a debate. Um, Mainstone, who have you who have you popped in at left back? Now, this was the one of the ones that I really, really struggled <laughs> with. Um, it's for me, it's a toss up between Ryan Bertrand and Luke Shaw. Yeah, um, I remember. Being actually with Jack, we were at Luke Shaw's debut um, we away to West Brom in our first season back in the Prem. Um, and not not directly, it wasn't a very, we lost that game, it wasn't a very good game. But over the, le- the next few weeks when he was really starting to get into the team, especially when Pochettino then came in and really started to develop him, um, I genuinely think he's the best youth academy player I've seen at Southampton like make their debut and actually see like the big potential I think he was better than Walcott better than Bale obviously Bale was more of a left back at us um, but for me personally if I had to kind of say Brian Bertrand does get in ahead of him on this just because of consistency and longevity and I almost feel Bertrand is criminally underrated for Southampton he really goes unheard of no one really talks about him and he hasn't really had uh, much recognition in terms of the England squads which I think has been deserved so he gets it for me I think he's a quality player I think that's fair enough. Joe, I wanted to come to you actually because I think you covered you covered the club um, during a time when Pochettino was manager and I guess when Luke Shaw was kind of around the first team. Um, what are your memories of, of that sort of period and, uh, and of Luke um, breaking into the team? Yes, it wasn't just Luke. It was obviously Ward-Prowse and Callum Chambers as well. There was kind of the three of them coming onto the scene. I just remember there was a huge amount of excitement around the club at that time. And, but yeah, I think Luke Shaw was always kind of, at that time, was the best of the three. And he just seemed to be very mature on the pitch above, the, above his years. He was so quick back in those days as well. Obviously, 
he's had a couple of really bad injuries for Man U, so he's lost a little bit of that speed. But back then, he was just fearless and, you know, bombing down the left. He was he was just brilliant to watch. Um, and so, yeah, so I actually went for Shaw over Bertrand purely just because in that couple of seasons where he was at Southampton, he was, he was brilliant. He was a solid seven or eight out of ten every week. Um, and Bertrand, I think he's playing now as well as he has done for a long time, but he did have two or three seasons for me where he was very below par. And there were some games where he just didn't look overly interested, which did annoy me a little bit. Um, so f- for, th- for that reason, I went for, for Shaw, yeah. Jack, Shaw or Bertrand? Uh, Daddy Fox. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I've put Ryan Bertrand in my team and it's one, it's that one position that I've debated a lot. Because I think, I agree with Mainstone, Shaw at 18 was a joke and he probably was better than I'd say Bertrand has ever been. I know that's quite a statement, but he was really that level when we were watching him at 18. But I just think, yeah, for, for longevity reasons and for the consistency, I know I agree with Joe, he did drop off a little bit, um, but the last couple of seasons, I think he's stepped up. We've had a, lots of changes in the team, lots of changes defensively, but he's been that one constant at left back. He dropped out of the team a little bit when... Um, when Ralph first came in, but I think he soon realised how important he was to that back four and slotting him back in. I think, yeah, when, when he's out of the team, we saw against Newcastle, Jack Stevens did a job, but we just don't have that same mm-hmm. um, you know, outlet on the left-hand side, so he's crucial. I think we're going to have a deadlock here because I had Luke Shaw in my team, um, so that's two apiece. Um, I probably should have said this at the start, but like my, my um, criteria for breaking a deadlock, deadlock like this was um, rather, I, I kind of gave less weight to um, to longevity and more weight to how good was that that player under that manager for that season um, yeah. and for me Shaw under Pochettino in that 13-14 season was just so so good um, we've already said it but I, Bale was in the championship Walcott in the championship Ox broke into the team we were in League One Shaw coming in and doing what he was doing um, being one of our best attacking outlets from left back in the Premier League um, was really really impressive um, so we'll have a deadlock there. We'll have a deadlock. 2-2, Shaw and Bertrand. Um, ultimately, I'll probably just put Shaw in because I'm going to be the one that's controlling it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, centre-backs. We've had some great centre-backs um, over these three managers, um, some really, really good ones. But I can't imagine there's going to be anyone um, who, who's going to complain about Virgil van Dijk being in there. Um, and then at the same time as well, Jose Font. Um, were they the two that, that were across the board or, or is anyone going to throw in Oliver or, or someone else? Silence. I think, I think everyone's gone for Fonte and, uh, yeah. and Virgil there. I think Oliver was quality in, I think, 14-15 um, season under Koeman. But for me, Virgil van Dijk's the best centre-half he's ever played for Southampton. And obviously in the Premier League, he's up there in the world. He's up there. Jose Fonte... Um, I know you're not talking about longevity and things like that, but dropping down to League One and bringing us up to the Premier League and playing alongside Yoshida, Lovren, Van Dijk, Alderweireld, all those different players. And he was the one constant in that team that always delivered a seven or eight, um, put him in the team for me. And also that goal against um, Arsenal on Boxing Day, I think it's in 2015. Um, so great memories, I think, with Fonte. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone can have complaints with that. I, I thought it was interesting just going back through when I was doing my team. Um, I mean, I knew this, but I'd kind of forgotten that, that Coleman was the one that brought Van Dyke to Saints. And, 
and that Dutch connection, I'm sure, played played a big role in bringing Van Dijk um, to Southampton. So um, I guess one of the reasons why we wanted to to do this exercise was because there's been some kind of conversation around where do you rank Ralph compared to Komen and and Poch. I mean, as I said at the top, there's probably our three best ever foreign managers, um, best finishes under under Poch and Komen. Um, but if we just take a little bit of a break here, and then I'll come to you, Mainstone. Where would you where would you rank? Uh, I know it's early days, well, relatively early days for Ralph, and he hasn't he hasn't got a finish um, in the top half of the table like the other two managers. But where would you rank him compared to Komen and Poch? Um, I think for me, Pochettino goes number one, um, only because for me as a fan, he raised the bar in the way that we play and the way I look at Southampton. Um, he he got us playing football that I genuinely didn't think we'd ever really see us play. And it was a, a style quite foreign to the Premier League at the time, the, the, the pressing style that he immediately brought over. And the transformation in a short period of time was just outstanding. Um, Ralph's, Ralph's there, I think. I think he's pretty much there. Um, but I just think without Poch... I don't think we would have been looking at the likes of Ralph Koeman. So I don't think our identity would have never really have changed and gone up to that next level. Um, yeah. And Koeman, you can't you can't deny what he done. He was very very good for us. But I just think the, the style of play um, was a lot less um, easy on the eye than the other two. I think. I think that's fair to say. I mean, again, like Koeman, I think he's obviously gone to Barcelona and I don't know how on earth he got that job. I mean, Barcelona are a bit of a mess. <laughs> um, but while, he, while I don't think he was on the level of the coaches of the, of, of the other two, um, the reason why I just brought it up because I don't think you can underestimate the pull of his name um, and bringing in players like Van Dyke to Saints. I think he was very influential in that. Um, if we go on to the midfield then, we'll start in centre midfield. As, as we said, it's a 4-2-3-1 formation. So, Two centre midfielders. Again, lots of choice here across the three managers. Um, Joe, I'll come to you first. Fill in, fill in one of the midfielders for me. Uh, so the, one of them will be Morgan Schneidlin for me. I used to love watching him play. Just the amount, the amount of distance that he used to cover was insane. Up, back, left, right. He just would not stop running. And he kind of epitomised the Pochettino reign, really. Um, I remember Jack Cork says, you know, Schneider must have four lungs because he, he just ran um, and he constantly improved. He just got better and better and better. Um, and I think he was a big influence in the dressing room as well because he'd been there from the League One days and he'd come up all the way through. Um, and I know, you know, there was that tweet he sent where he wanted to leave and it all went a bit pear-shaped for a while. But then to get his head down again after that and play so well that season, I thought was was fantastic on him so he'll be one of mine I forgot about that tweet actually what did he say like eight years is ruined or something wasn't it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's been a few of those like there's been a, like players leaving it always kind of goes a bit pear-shaped doesn't it towards the end whether it's Lalana mm. or or Schneiderlin or or Lovren Van Dijk I mean they're all kind of to force their way out or whatever but um Schneiderlin options in there obviously you've got Wanyama Schneiderlin, Romeu, Will Prowse, Jack Cork. I also had Schneiderlin. Um, did anybody not have him? I had him in as well. No, okay. So then the other position, um, Jack, who's, who's, who have you got alongside Morgan? 
I've put um, Ward Prowse in there. Okay. Um, it was a toss-up between him and Wanyama. I think Schneidlin and Wanyama in that 14-15 season were unbelievable, screening the back four. Um, Schneidlin scored four goals in that season, which is not bad for a defensive midfielder. But I think Ward Prowse is more important to Southampton now than Wanyama was at the time. And I know that's quite a big statement because Wanyama was quality, but Wolf Prowse in, in our team is so, so important. And I think if you took Wanyama out of that team and put Jack Cork in, um, for example, we would have still been, you know, a decent team. So I just put, I put Wolf Prowse in there just purely for the last couple of seasons. I think he's raised this game so much under Ralph and he's starting contributing with goals, free kicks. Um, he's obviously got the captain's armband. So yeah, he gets the nod for me. Okay, Joe, I'm going to come back to you actually because I know that you had Wanyama in there. So, so make the case for, for Victor. So Victor was, was funny. When he first came in, I used to laugh constantly because, because I'd be sat there in the stands and he'd get the ball and he'd try and pass it to someone and he'd just boot it out of play. Like technically when he first <laughs> came in, he was quite poor, but his strength was yeah. an absolute joke. Whenever he went in for a 50-50, you just knew that, that he was going to come out with the ball. And he got so much better technically with his passing and his intelligence in that position. Um, and, you know, we talked about the clean sheets earlier. In some of those seasons, when he was sat there, he was so important to Fonte and Lovren or Fonte and, and Alderweireld because he was, you know, he was just such a calming influence sat in front of them. Um, but I do agree with what Jack says. Ward Prowse is unquestionably more important to this Saints team than Wanyama was to that one. But I just thought, um, yeah, he was just so good in that season. He was fantastic alongside Snyland. So them as a pair were, were just amazing. I think that's, that's funny what you were saying about his inability to pass. Because I remember at Craven Cottage, um, we, we went to Fulham and I was at that game and we beat them 3-0. And I just remember laughing. I was with, I was with Tom, my other brother, and um, we were laughing because... I mean, Fulham were crap and, and we, were, we were always going to win that game. Um, but I think Wanyama got taken off at half-time because he could not complete a pass. Like, it was just like, we were one of those games where we were so dominant um, and uh, Lambert scored, Rodrigo scored a really good goal. I think Alana scored as well. And Wanyama, it's just, like, it was just not his game. You know, like when we, when we were dominating and he's got a lot of time on the ball, it just wasn't working. Um, so I think he got hooked, um, but it was funny. Um, but yeah, Mainstone, break the deadlock for me then. Ward Prowse or Wanyama alongside Schneiderlin? Going to go with James Ward Prowse. Okay. Yeah, I thought you might. <laughs> Only because I, I, think the, I think the point of him being more important to this side mm-hmm. than Wanyama was to uh, the side when he played next to Schneiderlin, I think that's the point that's going to take it for okay. him. Um, again, it takes nothing away from what Wanyama was for us because he was an absolute brick wall. Um, but I think on that point, Ward, Ward Prowse for me gets it. Okay, I guess a, a little bit more interesting now, I think, because we've got lots of options in the forward areas and we've got these three attacking midfield positions to fill. Um, no complaints, I don't think, from any of you with Adam Lalana being one of those positions. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, nine goals and six assists in that Pochettino season. Um, I thought it was... It, it surprised me, actually, that, that J-Rod... Um, in that same season, 15 goals. I mean, I think he's going to miss out, but we'll come on to him. I don't know if, if any of you have him in your team, but I thought that was interesting. Um, elsewhere, Mainstone, so if you've got Lana in there, who else have you got in those attacking midfield positions? There's lots to choose from. I went for Sadio Mane. Okay, yep. 
and which again I think is probably going to be a popular choice. Um, but then the other one, I actually ended up going for Stephen Davis. Okay. I think he's our one of our most underrated players, Stephen Davis. He was always so good for us technically, work rate. He was so good under Pochettino. Like you say, he's on the lungs, same lines as Morgan Schneider, and just never stopped running. And his technical ability on the ball was always so so good as well. So yeah, he he got my vote. Okay, all right, Jack. Any thoughts on, on Davis in there and, and who's going to be, I mean, Dusan Tadic, is he getting a look in? Tadic gets, gets the nod for me. Um, yeah. I was just reading up about him. He was Koeman's first sign in 2014. And like you were saying about the pull of players that we were getting at the time, what a signing he was. Those, those first two seasons, Dusan Tadic was unbelievable. I think we came seventh and sixth, which as a Saints fan, you know, it's pretty unheard of. And he was instrumental in that. That Obviously, that 8-0 against Sunderland, I think he got four assists. And the link-up him, with him and Pella was um, was really special. Obviously, we had Lambert and Lalana in the Football League and coming into the Premier League. And obviously, when they went, we thought, could we replace them? And we somehow did. Um, so, Tadic gets the nod. Stephen Davis, he was one that I had, I was thinking about. It doesn't doesn't make the uh, the ultimate team for me, but yeah, he was just so so reliable. I agree with Mainstone. He could play in so many positions, and the type of player that I assume if you're a manager is just the absolute dream because you know you could slot him in at centre mid or left hand side or right hand side, and he's going to give you a performance. A bit similar to Stuart Armstrong now, I think, in that mould where you know he could slot into a few positions. So doesn't make the eleven, but he's probably first spot on the bench. Joe, talk to me about your, your three across that attacking midfield. Yeah, so it's a good point you mentioned, Stephen Davis, there. So I remember in one of Pochettino's first press conferences at the club, he was talking about his players. And I remember he just said, like, Stephen Davis, wow, what a player. He was so impressed with Stephen Davis. He loved him. And just, I think it was his intelligence and his discipline. And he was such a model professional. Uh, yeah, he was he, he was incredible for Saints. I actually went for Tadic. Um, I, I may be wrong here. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think so. Tadic came in soon after we just sold Shaw, Chambers, Lalana, Lambert, Lovren, all in that one summer, right? So yeah, you know, everyone was kind of thinking meltdown. We're going to get relegated. What's going on here? And I went to one of the first preseason friendlies. So it must have been one of Kuman's first games. It was a pre-season friendly against Brighton. It was the first time I saw Tadic and Pella. I just remember thinking, wow, like how, how have we managed, you know, how have we managed to get these two players in our team? And I remember thinking then we're going to be okay. And he was just a joy to watch. His, you know, his technique, his vision, those first couple of seasons, him and, him and Pella linking up. He was one of the best players technically that we've had at the club in a long time, I think. Yeah. I also went to that Brighton game. It's funny because I remember, I remember Ronald Koeman when he came in um, to the club. He tweeted a picture of the training ground saying "ready for training," and it was just cones and no players. <laughs> and it like it, it went viral because we were selling everyone at the time. Everyone was a little bit worried, but yeah, I remember going to that Brighton game and seeing Tadic and Pella for the first time and thinking, "We've got two brilliant players here." Yeah, I think that's the biggest compliment you can you can pay to Tadic, isn't it? The fact that he was technically Lalana's replacement. And we never really ended up speaking about how much we're missing Lalana. Mm. So I think that's that's a huge compliment, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I dinged him slightly just for the fact, and probably unfairly actually, just because it seemed his highs were so high, and then 
and then kind of two of the seasons were amazing and then two of them were he didn't really live up to to that um and that's probably partly a reflection of the managers that came in and he was playing under the squad obviously got worse um and, and it was harder for him I was I mean we'll come on to the striker but I was a bit cheeky and I just shoehorned Danny Ings in there because I want to get Ricky Lambert in my team um no matter what so um I don't think that's the best thing to do so I'm, I'm happy to go with the consensus here so are we thinking Dusan Tadic is deserving of that place kind of in the number 10 position for me, I'm happy to. Yeah. I'm happy to say that. Tadic yeah. and then Mane on the left, or Olalana on the left and Mane on the right. Um, yeah. Just a word on Mane actually, because that 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 Cumin uh, season, 11, 11 Premier League goals, our top scorer that season, um, joint top with Pella. Shane Long chipped in with ten goals that season. I'd completely forgotten he was capable of scoring double figures. <laughs> <laughs> that is remarkable. That stat just jumped out at me. Um, but but yeah. So then we'll come on to the striker. Pella obviously has been mentioned a lot, and under Kuman he was he was very very good. I've obviously gone for Ricky Lambert, and I can come on to discussing the reasons why. But but Mainstay, I'll come to you first. Who's your striker? <laughs> this is tough. Um, it's Lambert or Ings for me, and I ended up going with Danny Ings. And I feel so bad for saying it because I love Lambert to pieces <laughs> and he should be in this team. Um, but for me, the player that Danny Ings is and to score the the volume of goals that he did, especially last season and the way he's continued at the start of this season before the injury, um, he is just one hell of a striker. Um, so that that's why he got it for me. Joe, is it Ings for you as well? Lambert, Pella? It, it is Danny Ings for me as well, purely on the number of goals. I was looking... I think Lambert got maybe 12 or 13 in his first season in the Prem and then 15 the next. 13, yeah. yeah. And then 15 the next, which is an incredibly good return for him. But, you know, Danny Ings got, what, 22 last season? And he, he's kind of carried it on this year. So just for the number of goals, I think it, it had to be Danny Ings for me, which is really harsh because I do, I do love Lambert. He, you know, he was a cult figure, wasn't he, for Saints? But had to go for, uh, for Danny. Jack? Is it Danny for you, or am I the only, am I the only one with it, with Lambert in my team? <laughs> it is Danny for me, but um, I was I was just I was, <laughs> I was chatting to my flatmate before doing this, and I was just running through my team, and I, he was asking me who I'm putting up front. And I said Ings, and he couldn't believe it because the amount of times I've spoken about Ricky Lambert over the years, <laughs> he was like, he doesn't make your ultimate team. But I, it's just purely, I think Pat, you you said your bit of criteria at the start, how good he is in that that season and scoring 22 goals last season. No, no one's done that in the Premier League for Southampton um, recently. Lambert got 15, like you said. I think Pelé got 12. J-Rod, 15, which was unbelievable back in 2014. But 22 goals in the Premier League. He's got to be the main striker. Yeah, you've called me out there for not sticking to my own criteria. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I put Ricky Lambert in there. Obviously, um, an amazing player. Probably more a uh, sentimental pick as well. Um, we mentioned... Um, the 13 goals. He also got 10 assists that season. Um, and I think it's really, really, un- well, underrated, um, his, his ability to link up play. Uh, I put him in there as well, just because there was a lot of question marks about, obviously, we signed him in League One, and there was question marks about him in the Championship, and then there was even more question marks about him coming up to the Premier League, um, just because of the type of striker that he, I mean, he looked, he looked like a Football League striker. I mean, to be honest, um, but he came up to the Premier League and especially that first full season, or that only full season under Poch, um, 
yeah, some of the performances that he, that he put in, some of the big goals that he scored, um, thinking about Chelsea at home, Liverpool at home. Um, yeah, so many moments. Then, then you also think about the England recognition and then that moment, the goal against Scotland, that all came under kind of under Poch. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I've said this before and it's, contra- it's controversial, but he, for me, is my favourite Saints player of all time. Um, but Matt Letiz obviously is the number one Saints player of all time. Didn't really watch him um, as much but grew up with, with Lambert and, and is my favourite Saints player of all time. So I can't do a best Saints eleven in good faith and not include um, Ricky Lambert. So that's, my, uh, that's my, um, my reasoning, but I'm more than happy to go with Danny Ings because, yeah, what he did last season and what he was doing this season before the injury um, speaks, to, speaks to his talent. So I think we've got a good team there. I think that team gets Europe. Yep. Any, so I think we've, we've mentioned Stephen Davis. Any like first replacements, any special mentions that anyone wants to give a shout out to that, we, that, we, that hasn't made the team? Need to do one. Yep. Oh, I know who it's going to be. <laughs> Maya Yoshida. <Yeah. laughs> he was in all of my teams, but when you sat back and thought, actually, how good is he compared to other uh, defenders? But the bloke's a legend. The fact he hasn't been given a uh, testimonial yet is criminal. <laughs> Joe, anyone, anyone from you that you wanted to give a shout out to? I thought Odovirod that one season for me was was mm. a bit of a it was a tough one because he he came in from Atletico Madrid and, and he was just absolutely incredible that season. He was, yeah. He formed a fantastic partnership with Font. Um, I know we've mentioned Jack Cork already. Obviously, he would never get in this team, but just a special mention for him because mm. he was another one who I, I used to love watching playing because he used to give literally 110% every single week. And he he went from a fringe player to actually quite an important player for us at certain times in in, in those first couple of seasons. Yeah, yeah. no, I'd agree with that 100%. Jack Court was, was interesting because I remember doing some research before actually and about, um, like he never really, he was in the team in a period where we had quite a few good central midfielders, wasn't he? So we had Schneidlin in there, we had Cork. I think we had Wanyama as well. So, it was never the case that Cork was like a nailed-on starter, if I'm am I remembering that correctly. But he mm. would come into the team, we'd rotate quite a lot. And whenever he came in, it's we never missed a beat. And I think that's very difficult to do at Premier League level, um, to kind of be in and out of the team so much and, and make about 20, 20, 25 appearances. And, and to not let that affect your performance um, is difficult. Yeah, completely. And the only other person who would be nailed on as a sub to come on would be Jay Rodriguez. Um, yeah. I think that's one of the most joyous times watching Southampton was when you had Lalana, Lambert, Rodriguez up front as a three. You know, the three, the three English lads were just terrorising the defences. They were brilliant to watch. Yeah, I, th- I need to go back and check it, but I'm pretty sure they were the three goal scorers at Craven Cottage that day when, when Wanyama couldn't string a pass together. I'm pretty sure it was those three um, and it was a good day. Um, so I'm just going to recap the team then. So in goal, we've got Fraser Forster. Across the back line, Klein, Font, Van Dijk. It's going to break for sure. I'm sorry for those who, who voted for Bertrand. Um, then JWP and Schneiderlin in midfield. Mane, Lalana, Tadic. And then up front, the man, the main man, Danny Ings. Uh, not a bad team. Not a bad team. Not bad at all. Um, so the... The reason why, I mean, we wanted to go through that exercise. Well, one of the reasons why I thought it was quite interesting about um, the, the quality of player that Ralph has at his disposal versus uh, versus Koeman and versus Poch. 
And I think it, it, we've kind of proven the point a little bit there that really only James Will Prowse and Danny Ings um, from, from the kind of Ralph era make that um, best Saints eleven. I mean, Koeman had some fantastic players to work with and so did Poch. Um, but for me, it, it kind of strengthens the claim that Ralph as a coach is a, is a top tier coach because he's getting um, the best out of a group of players that maybe doesn't, um, doesn't kind of hold up when you compare them to some of our other best teams that have kind of finished sixth, seventh and eighth. Um, but we'll wrap it up there. Thank you to the three of you for joining me. Very, very good conversation. Enjoyed it a lot. Um, and next week we'll, we'll, we'll chat. Um, yeah, who are we playing next week? I've actually, just, my mind's just Wolves. gone blank. Wolves away. Wolves away. Wolves away. Literally, my mind just went blank. Then I was like, who are we going to, who are we playing next week? Um, so Wolves away. So we'll catch up after that. Um, but yeah, thanks again. Nice one. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys. Pat, what's going on? Why are we still here? Well, remember when I told you I was first starting this podcast? Yeah. And I said it was because it was moving to the US and I wanted to stay in touch with the Saints community. I wanted to build some great content and I wanted to talk Saints with other Saints fans. Yeah. Well, it was that, but it was also because one day I hoped we would catch the eye of an up-and-coming male grooming brand and they'd offer us free stuff. And guess what? It's happened, hasn't it? It's happened. It's actually happened. Somebody wants to sponsor us. Not just that, they've given us free stuff. That is quality news. What's this company then? Well, you know, our audience is football fans and football fans, not all of them, of course, but the majority of football fans are male. Okay. And the majority of them are between the ages of 18 and 44. Yeah. Oh, that's why we did the beer, right? Do a podcast, get sponsored by a brewery, job done. So what's this company then? Grooming. Is that haircuts, beard stuff? What are we talking? We are talking pubes. No, we're not. Surely not. Yes, we are. Manscaped.com want to sponsor us. They are massive in the US. I'm, I'm, I'm in the US. You see the adverts everywhere. They're trying to break into the UK market. And they got in touch with us and were like, would you be interested in trying out our products for free? Now, never shaved downstairs before, but you know what? I thought, why not? They look after your balls, simple as that. So, yeah, I went for it. They sent over their, their kit, the Perfect Package 3.0. And I have to say, used it, game changer. It's like a Japanese sculpture garden down there now. <laughs> well, to be honest, mate, it's 2020. It's been a weird year. You've got to try new things. And I've also used it. I've used the kit they've sent over, Lawnmower 3.0. Everything that you want. Precise, accurate, error-free. Reminds me of Danny Ings in the 18-yard box. <laughs> um, Not really. Yeah, was, yeah, go on. Yeah, they sent, over, they sent over a load of stuff. Ball toner, ball deodorant. Again, for that sensitive area, it's soothing, gentle, smells delightful. Couldn't recommend it anymore. Throw in a pair of boxes as well, so everyone's a winner. There we go. Yeah, ball toner, ball deodorant. Two products I'd never thought... Two things I'd never thought I'd say. Um, but you know what? Like you said, 2020, weird year. Try it out. Why not? Um, grooming wise, we, we get haircuts, we trim our beards, we use deodorant, do quite a lot of grooming in the 21st century. It's a logical next step. Um, so manscaped.com, give it a Google, take a look. Uh, and yeah, if you use promo code OWTS, you get 20% off and free shipping. Um, yeah, f- from our point of view, highly recommended, right? Definitely. Just to repeat that, OWTS is the promo code, 20% off. You're actually getting a bargain there. Absolute bargain. And now manscaped.com in the US, like I said, they're really big and they have these catchy taglines. They try and they like the podcast to say. So things like make your testies their besties. Grooming tools for your family jewels is a good one. But I think we can do better than that. We can come up with our own Saints related one. Um, did you want to start? 
Shave long. Shave long, yeah, that's good. Um, my personal favourite, clean ings up around your small bone. So I think that's going <laughs> to be our tagline um, for manscaped.com. Clean ings up around your small bone. If you think you can beat that as a tagline, tweet us, OWT, Saints Pod, on Twitter. Um, and yeah, if you can beat that, fair play to you because I think that's very, very good. <laughs> and that's the best we could come up with on about half an hour of trying to think of um, witty pub-related Saints puns. <laughs> um, but yeah, just to repeat it from the top, 20% off if you go to manscaped.com, free shipping, uh, use promo code OWTS. Perfect. Three points for Saints and a clean set of pubes. You'd love to see it. Absolutely. All right, mate. Until next week. Nice one, mate. Speak to you then.